0: February 2nd, and George chapo on The Appointed Day. It's Will joining me as always, Matt and Felix. Um, let's, let's, gentlemen, let's begin today in uh, the halls of power in uh, Congress. Just a, a few things of note happening in uh, Congress today. Uh, the first of which is uh, the passage of the Denounce the Horrors of Socialism Resolution. It passed with only 109 Democratic votes. That's rookie numbers, boys. Got to get those up, up, up. This is to denounce the horrors of socialism. Um, they've been officially denounced in Congress. That, that's over 100 Democrats who endorse the horrors of socialism.
1: <laughs> Steny Hoyer voted yes and Pelosi voted no. Other way around.
2: Steny Hoyer voted to not condemn the horrors of socialism. Pelosi voted to condemn the horrors of
1: socialism. Hold on. Let me check. Keep going. I'm, I, I feel like Matt has this totally wrong. <laughs>
0: comrades Mr. <laughs> Progressive
2: <laughs> Ro Conna voted to condemn the horrors of socialism
0: um, I, I just saw like the, the woman who uh, drafted this resolution or sponsored it or something speaking on the uh, floors of Congress today and she said she was doing it because according to her 40% of Gen Z Regard the Communist Manifesto by, in her words, Karl Marx, uh, (laughs) is a better guarantee of freedom and equality than the U.S. Constitution, which, in her words, was written by Thomas Jefferson, the father of American exceptionality. Written by Thomas Jefferson, one of the creators of the American experiment, the American exceptionality. Amazing. I I feel so confident
1: in the hands of these leaders. No. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. You were right. It was Danny Hoyer who voted no.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uphold, that fucking communist piece of shit Steny <laughs> uphold
1: Hoyer. Steny Hoyer thought, fight Nancy Pelosi revisionism. <laughs> well, he still believes in like the dream of the kibbutz, I guess.
0: <laughs> so, uh yes, the, the horrors of socialism will no longer be promoted um in the They're US. House the of Representatives. Out. Yeah. Uh number 2 in, in Congress today, uh, uh Ilan Omar was uh kicked off the House uh Foreign Relations Committee in uh should, not, not exactly surprising, you know, the Republicans got to get their pound of flesh for the uh, people that the Democrats kicked off last time they had to go around. Um, but, you know, saw this one coming, not much to say about it, but man, oh, man, do those Benjamins spend at Washington.
1: Yeah, um, the Democratic defenses of her have been, you know, predictable. Hakeem Jeffries um, masterfully was like, um, yeah, she is anti-Semitic, but she apologized. And that's why this is wrong, which is just like <laughs> a ama- mate. Like, that's a great defense. She's like, a just good, seizing the idea polite. that she's anti-Semitic. <laughs> but since she apologized for it, it's she's not anymore. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? I mean, this is like, you know, if there were less eyes on this, he probably would have voted to remove her, too. If this was closer to 2018, he would have clearly done that. But um, no real mentions of the Israel lobby, even in Democrat defenses of her, uh, which is quite predictable. I mean, look, if if Ilhan Omar was a true enemy of uh, Israel, I would have already maxed out to her. That's all (laughs) the evidence you need.
0: Uh, Moving on from uh, uh, Congress, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we're in We're in 2023 now at the dawn of 2023, which means the U.S. presidential race is uh, going to be heating up soon. I just got a few few things of note about the uh, Trump-DeSantis rivalry. Uh, According to the Daily Mail, um, a new poll shows Donald Trump topping the list of likely 2024 Republican nominees, reflecting his enduring control of the GOP despite rising stars like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. A new Morning Consult survey of 3,763 potential Republican primary voters published on Wednesday: 48% of respondents say they want the former president to top the GOP ticket for a third time. Now, uh, take that in conjunction with uh, Trump finally going in on Ron DeSantis and a quote accusing him of trying to rewrite history on COVID. Uh, former President Donald Trump, who has already announced he is running for president in 2024, is not happy about the prospect face of facing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the race. This is uh, uh, from the Huffington Post. And he says, when I hear he might run, I consider that very disloyal.
1: So well, then when I hear he might run, you know, I consider that very disloyal. But it's not about loyalty. But to me, it is. It's always about loyalty. But for a lot of people, it's not about
0: <laughs> And basically, he's going in on Ron DeSantis for... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, capping about being Mr. You know, pro freedom when he shut down beaches and businesses uh, and promoted the vaccine in Florida, which I got to say, it's like for Trump and Desantis, like you know, where do you come down on this? Because nobody promoted the vaccine harder than Donald Trump. This was Operation Warp Speed. I mean, he, I mean, he's just pissed he made off. it. He can't get great. Yeah, he he made the vaccine.
2: Yeah, but it's it's I, the it's the classic
0: Trump deal where there
2: is no other course of action there's only hypocrisy it's like when he would talk about how obama built the camps you know it's like oh this asshole says he's against the vaccine but he was given old people he rolled old people up to the vaccine to give it to them. everyone's full of shit but me that's his that's his pitch that's always been his pitch everyone is full of shit but me and you know he's certainly less full of shit than ron fucking desantis that's for sure who ran for governor uh with ads where he's like Uh, bulldog Trump supporter and defender teaching his uh, toddler to build the wall and all this and now he's going to run against him? That's a fake-ass friend. You want a fake-ass friend in the White House?
1: There haven't been like all that many huge developments in the Trump to Santa story, but uh, Bill Mitchell has been interesting on it. i like Bill Mitchell's takes on it because it's the most like, I think he's like the most pure-hearted conservative media guy maybe ever like um did you see that thing he said the other day where he's like if i could have one wish it's that i could heal a dying child with a touch (laughs) yeah like i I believe that's completely genuine that's completely like he's fully wants that but um he's the only guy where it's like he hasn't picked a side and he's like why don't they just team up which is adorable He's like the biggest Trump fan who like doesn't really get the Trump thing. He doesn't get why Trump wouldn't just like team up with Ron DeSantis to stop the steal together.
0: You know, and then, in, in, uh, you know, in addition to saying it's been a lifelong dream of his to enter, it was, it was, it was more elaborate than that. It, was, it says to enter the hospital room of a dying child, with their family like standing over them awaiting their child's death and for him to heal, <laughs> to heal the, the mortally ill child by laying of hands on them. That was and, beautiful. Like, what a, what a, I mean like what a great moment if you could do that. You know, you could like uh, t- bring back from death a child right in front of their parents. I mean, wh- yeah. Imagine what you could charge for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would charge a thing. I retweeted that and like well, he might not. Fo- I'm getting paid. Mm, yeah, that's the difference between you and Bill Mitchell. <laughs> you know, that's why we were on stage in 2016 tugging our collars instead of saying I told you so. Yeah, that's uh, true. He he! Um, I retweeted that and I instantly regretted it because every stupid follower, everyone who is like um, Bernie Sanders, David Lynch, just accounts like that, you know, uh, they, they were like, oh, uh, you're a pedophile, my dude. And it's like, no, he's actually has the exact same personality as Jesus Christ, but with none of the powers. And now he's just wishing he had the powers. Fuck off. Bill Mitchell owns you,
0: but uh, yeah, Bill um, Mitchell endorsed uh, DeSantis. He said he would like, he he supports MAGA, but he wants MAGA without all the drama. Well, the, yeah, okay, no, he
1: he didn't endorse DeSantis fault He like endorsed like a DeSantis Trump like super alliance. He endorsed like Goku and Vegeta working together. There's <laughs> well, a they difference. eventually did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trump is uh,
2: definitely – DeSantis is getting in his head to some degree because he put out this video where he's declaring war on trans people, which is clearly he feels like he has to meet DeSantis's bid on culture war stuff and not kind of stand above it the way he did last time.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, let's – I mean, DeSantis – okay, so so Trump accused him of capping – and said, like, you know, he's, he's pro-vaccine, he's a COVID skeptic phony. Uh, according to the Huffington Post, Trump said DeSantis, who had been openly skeptical about government efforts to vaccinate people against the virus, promoted the vaccine as much as anyone. He praised governors who did not close down their states, noting that DeSantis ordered the closure of beaches and businesses in some parts of the state. When I hear that he might run, I think it's very disloyal. So, uh, DeSantis, let's grade Desantis's comeback to Donald Trump here. So this is, uh, DeSantis snaps back at Trump I got reelected. Uh, this is by Gary Feinout for Politico. DeSantis says, I roll out of bed. I have people attacking me from all angles. It's been happening for many, many years. Uh, DeSantis said during a press conference in Bradenton where he was asked about Trump's recent digs at him. The good thing is, is that the people are able to render a judgment on that whether they reelect you or not? And I'm happy to say, you know, in my case, not only did we win re-election, we won with the highest percentage of the vote that any Republican governor candidate has ever had in the history of the state of Florida. The verdict has been rendered by the people of the state of Florida. Now, I got I got to say, I, you know, like just just critiquing DeSantis here, uh, the, the 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 basic uh, snappy reply to Trump is a good one like hey hey asshole i i won my election you you lost yours but he just goes on too long he just like you know every morning when i get out of bed i go to work for the state of people of florida and then it would just be if you got if you were in trump brain he would just say i like presidents who win re-election
2: yeah but that alienates a bunch of people who thinks he didn't lose
1: yeah it kind of highlights the impossible position (sighs) desantis is in with how hard it is for him to like meaningfully land a shot on trump that's outside of like you know oh you there's too much drama with you like it, 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 anything
0: that he can attack trump on he risks too
1: much like a lib you know
0: yeah yeah desantis like, like we said we've said this before like for, for me to take desantis seriously he's got to get better at responding to trump And like yeah, it's an impossible position to be in, as are the people who like Desantis and Trump. It's another impossible position, or the the Bill Mitchell one that you just want MAGA without the drama. It's uh, it's it's going to be difficult. On the other side of the aisle, there was a uh, piece uh, the other the other just the other day about uh, Democrats who are, shall we say, uncertain about the prospects of Kamala Harris uh, picking up the why another impossible what (laughs) another impossible she's fire what's wrong she's fire. She's firing on all cylinders.
2: Do not come. do not come.
0: Yes, uh, this is from the uh, The Washington Post. Some Democrats are worried about harris 's political prospects at a pivotal point in Biden 's term. Many party activists are not sure the vice president has shown she is up to winning the top job hmm. what, why what would, would, well, would, okay. would when did she ever like fall <laughs> short of that? <laughs> As a longtime leader of the Cobb County Democrats, Jacqueline uh, Bedadipour has become highly attuned to the factors shaping her party's fortune in her home state of Georgia. The rise and fall of Stacey Abrams, Democratic's unexpected surge in 2020, the enduring influence of Donald Trump. Now, uh, Bedadipour is worried about the political prospects of the woman positioned to be President Biden's heir, Vice President Harris. People are poised to pounce on anything, any misstep, any gaffe, anything she says. And so she's probably not getting the benefit of the doubt, said Betta DePora, who recently stepped down as county party chair. Many Democrats, Betta DePora said, don't know enough about what she's doing. And she added, it doesn't help that she's not that adept as a communicator. Mm. What, what, what does he mean? Has he ever seen her speak? Like <laughs> what? As Biden passes the halfway point of his term, Harris faces a critical moment. If he seeks re-election as expected, she would be a central part of the campaign, making it a high stakes dress rehearsal for her own potential bid in 2028. If Biden steps aside, she would instantly move to center stage as his potential successor, facing the heightened attacks and scrutiny that accompany such a role. Many Democrats worry that Biden's age is a liability. He would be 86 at the end of a second term, but also fret over the lack of an alternative with a demonstrated ability to capture the party's imagination, let alone 270 electoral votes. For many, that was supposed to be Harris, the first black or Asian-American woman to win a nationally elected office. Every fiber in my body wants her to be president. Everything I've ever fought for is someone like her to be president, said one South Carolina Democratic strategist who spoke on the condition of anonymity for fear of damaging professional relationship. I think she's a good person with a good heart who can lead the country, but I don't know that the people who have to make that happen feel that, right, that way right now. I don't know that she has what it takes to get over the hump in our present environment. Uh, it's the environment's fault. I knew it. Yeah. Fucking environment. I guess it just uh, does remind me that were he reelected, Joe Biden would be like nearly 4,000
2: million years old.
1: (laughs) He was um, running for reelection for Senate the year that Ron DeSantis was born. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: But another impossible choice for uh, the party, uh, for a major political party, or one of the two that exists in this country, uh, going into the 2024 election. Uh, I, you know. barring him just dropping dead, it's getting harder. They're not going to get rid of Biden. I mean, they did this much to get him in office. There's no there's no alternative here. And it certainly isn't Kamala Harris. Is he going to get rid of her, though? That's the question. They're going to dump her way more likely to get rid of her. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, Biden, he is an unpopular president, but people certainly don't vote like it. I mean, just all all conventional wisdom for how people voted because, I don't know, every precedent people use is now, like, 70 years old is kind of out. Like, uh, this midterm kind of showed it. And I don't know. I would I would rank Biden's chances of winning re-election far, far ahead of Kamala's chances, you know? I, I just, I think that's a no-brainer. I think anyone with any sense thinks that. Even if Biden is at, like, 30% approval, um, I don't know. I just they have no one else yeah
2: and even if there was somebody that like could be viable they can't go against the president the voters will not allow that kind of uh of disloyalty and and subversion of the party when freaking just denacho or or trump or the trump or the alternatives they just won't do it
0: no Uh, Another another indicator of uh, DeSantis's road to the White House (laughs) was announced uh, this week when he declared that there will now be you can now get tax credits in Florida for uh, keeping your gas stove.
2: They don't have gas stoves in Florida.
0: (laughs) They don't have any gas stoves. There's got to be some gas stoves in
2: Florida. I'm sure some like rich psychos have like (laughs) profane tanks in their backyard so that they can, you know, do uh, do epic uh, culinary uh, win, but they do not hook. As a as a rule, houses or apartments to gas lines in Florida—it's not a thing. Because like you can't put anything underground. I who I hope some people buy it and then they just can't get it. They just they don't work. That would be hilarious.
0: Well, i I'll, you know I'll, I'll weigh in here as you know uh, uh, the person with like the probably the most culinary uh, experience and expertise. You know, like I, I I cook listeners. Yeah, like I cook food sometimes. Please give me credit. But I got to say, having having uh, used, bus, I, I have gas in my house now because you know I stand for freedom in America. But you no, know, having used an, an, an electric uh, range oven. Uh, the only difference is it takes slightly slightly longer to uh, heat to the level that's appropriate, but like the heat, the level of the heating is just simply like you have way more control over it. Yeah, I think it's superior, and also it's superior in that when you're done cooking, you can just take a sponge and it's just one flat surface to wipe off, rather than like the you know horrendous like pieces of you know, dried sauce and crud that get, you know, like they just congeal around uh, gas burning, uh, gas burning stoves. You know, there's like the grate. And then there's all these like little, hole, you know, big holes that like chunks of stuff can fall into. It's just an easier cleanup. So uh, no problem. The electric stoves, I don't, I don't see what the issue is, really. Freedom is the issue. That's the issue. The freedom to
2: live in a place that already has them or not.
1: This, uh, the DeSantis stove thing, like it, is yet another thing that made me realize it's not going to be him because it's just like, this one is so fucking internet. The stove. Yeah. This one is just, I don't know. I, I don't think people are talking about this outside of like Twitter.
0: It doesn't seem like, and the people who are talking about it, it doesn't seem like their hearts are really in it. No. um, On either side, this all seems very programmatic. It seems like it's very, uh, Sort well, of, it uh, doesn't. Like
2: it a, does. It's it's a it's a tough cultural fit because like gas stoves are associated with people who uh, like really get into cooking at home, and those are generally culturally libs. Yeah, you it's
1: know, the wine that, that's track. That's
2: kind of more more of like a you know a food and wine magazine subscribing a wine track type person does that and cares about like oh I need I need to get an even cook on this like that's it's 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 part of the whole package of like pretentious. Uh, affectations of the uh you know urban uh professional managerial class to, especially since the places where there actually are gas lines are mostly big blue cities so it's a bad fit for the like, actual lived experience of the people in the uh, uh who are living like the cultural conflict that there's this is that all this stuff is is trying to uh reify
1: yeah I, lo- I looked at a map of pl- the only places that are like majority gas stove are it's actually all the states I've lived in. It's Illinois, Minnesota, New York, and California. Yeah, see, that's all blue states. That's no good.
2: Yeah, the no good. Blue wall. This is some stepped on bullshit. It's not going to work. And and you should be able when you're trying. To, I get. It shows that the is just going to continually try to stay relevant by hitting literally everything that comes across the transom, and that is dangerous. It, it does. It's you worked in for him so far, though. Getting completely self-referential and not being able to uh, make sense to anyone outside of, like, an increasingly
0: small group of people. I mean, but, it, but it's worked for him so far when it comes to, like, uh, critical race theory and, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, trans kids in schools. Or whatever, oh, yeah, but, but like. that's, that's all stuff that,
2: like, those things are, I mean, for one thing, they map onto not only real cultural conflict, but also broader agendas of, like, getting rid of public schools like this has uh, this th-
0: is not this has no valence to anything else uh like it's, it's i mean like uh, but do you think like the the agenda as far as getting rid of public schools or making Ron DeSantis president the latest stuff with um all the book banning that's going on in Florida where like libra- librarians will now face felonies if they like um allow certain books to be checked out by students including you know like tony morrison you know like i mean just like like, b- books that are considered, like, literature, like, do, do you think they're, like, do you think, that, like, there's a risk of a backlash from going too far down this? Or to Absolutely just read anymore? Absol-
1: yeah. I, I, absolutely. I don't know. I think the whole Chris Rufo thing was a huge fucking failure. Everyone, I mean, he's the mirror of David Shore. Everyone who tried Rufoism, fucking brick, outside of, like, maybe Lee Zeldin, which really says more about Hochul than it does anything. I don't, like... Libs have been fighting the cultural battleground of schools forever. That's one of the only things they're kind of good at. I don't know. I, 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 I just, I see that as a non-starter nationally.
0: But I mean, like uh, under these, under these uh, like new, new, new sort of like censorship standards for Florida schools. Like, uh, I mean, I made the joke the other day that um, Moby Dick uh, like, rightly would be banned from any, like, curriculum in a Florida school because it's promotion of gay marriage and just general gay themes. I mean, the book is chock full of them. It's all it's just gay shit. There's 500 pages of, of thinly veiled eroticism. What about uh, Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass? What if kids have to read the letters that Melville wrote him? It seems like, like, I don't know, it just seems like, uh, 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 as ignorant as most Americans are, I, th- I think there is something... Even in our like our, you know, pig headed sense, something un American about removing books from libraries, like it just it doesn't it it doesn't seem like there's like that big a constituency for it. I mean, I'm sure there I mean there it's a significant one and it's a frightening one, but I, I just think that this shit is like I just it is not gonna get you over nationally. Or at least I hope it fucking doesn't, because this is like
1: it doesn't seem like it's st- yeah. I mean, I'll put it this way, I don't see them bragging about it a lot, you know, do you? I don't see them. No, I don't see right. them like trumpeting this. They don't seem like terribly proud of it.
0: Well, I mean, like similar to the abortion thing, it's like they of course want to ban any reference to you know uh, black people in American history or gay people existing or gay themes from all art and culture. But like similar to the, they want to ban abortion too. But when it gets banned. And like it becomes a thing like questions begin to get asked about what this actually entails. And I think you're seeing the same thing happen with this, like the the insane book banning and censorship that's going on in in Florida and elsewhere about like, oh, I didn't think it meant I didn't oh, I, I, I didn't we didn't think he meant that book. It's considered a classic and like a part of American history. But no, like they, they do. And you're right, Felix. They, they don't seem to be. I, I, I seem like I'm, I'm, I, would, I mostly see people like sharing their disgusted reactions to it rather than politicians loudly proclaiming that we've we've now made uh, our schools Tony Morrison free.
1: Right. Because it looks I mean, it's horrifying, but it also looks ridiculous. It doesn't look good on its face when you see the outcome of the policy, the image of like all those books um just like you know in a fucking i don't know repurposed pe zip-up container looks bad and yeah no i'm just i have not seen a single operative brag about it or use it as yeah, like, a, like or use it as a, 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 as you know an example of desantis being serious
0: they're more proud of the fucking yeah, it- thing yeah <laughs> Yeah no, I, I have seen them fucking touting that shit yeah. up and down the fucking gas stoves line but yeah like because eventually you're going to have to like prosecute some librarian for letting someone check out on the road or something. Yeah. And I think it's like I think it's a losing issue because both Americans probably like just don't read books and we're not a literate culture so when like you know it, it's hard to it's hard to get people exercised about, you know, uh, uh, the bluest eye or something like that because people are just like what? Never heard of it. Well, it's also, it's it's just such a scream of impotence because, all right, congratulations,
2: you've banned these books, uh, you've made the lives of librarians much harder, which is, that, that's bad added bonus, bonus whenever you make someone, a, a civil servant miserable, an angel gets its wings. But your kid still has a fucking phone in their pocket that can download, like, fucking sissy hypno-inflation porn yeah. <laughs> wherever they want. And that's what they're actually upset about, is, like, right. just the the... the, the, the the uh, airborne toxic event of the internet, just able that kids can just grab at any point. And they, there's nothing they can do about that and nothing they really have any uh, ability to even conceive of a response to. So what they do is instead they, they uh, they vote where somebody is telling them they could do something about culture. And of course, because they're fucking old, they c- connect that to things like the fucking books in your school library. Like your kids are not reading anything. They're watching ISIS beheading videos set to TikTok dance music.
0: Get out of here. (laughs) I would, uh, I would just, I would slightly disagree with you. And like the thing that uh, just on the point that like the thing they're really concerned with is the internet and like sissy hypno videos, turning their kids into dogs or something like that. Because I think like, obviously they want to do away with that or like they're, they're disturbed by it. But I think like they would much prefer that, um, uh, like that, that I think that's way less problematic for them than let's say, um, uh, examples of sexuality, uh, you know, sexuality or race in American history that are part of the fabric of American culture and literature and life, rather than like a weird deviant thing that people on the internet jack off to. So, like, I, yeah, I think I think that it's it, well, a, it's easier to ban uh, a Toni Morrison book from a library than it is to get like pornography off the internet. But I think they're more disturbed with the fact that like Toni Morrison is part of the canon of American literature and history. Well, who gives the, a shit?
2: Who's reading any books? Nobody's read a book in this country in 30 years. It's like they're trying. They 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 want they want to run the scoreboard of a game that nobody plays anymore. Like they're just they're they're they are. It it is a movement of aggrieved old people, and as a result, they can only uh, impotently flail at these extinct forms of communication and and uh, culture. (laughs) Right. It's like
1: Uh, it's like, it's like if DeSantis signed a bill against like crank
0: callers (laughs) DeSantis bans hoop and stick from all Florida universities
2: yeah the crank anchors have been compromised to a permanent end
0: (laughs) They, they fucking should be those bastards come one come all cause we're having a ball we're just making some calls to strangers come on come on you can say what you want and they'll never know if you're deep well, uh, n- now to get into the uh, the two the two the dispense of the uh, news of the week, I'd like to get into like the, the real the real marquee issue for today's show, which is once again our good friend Rod Dreher. I've got two amazing pieces of Dreher news to update you on. Uh, the first of which uh, comes courtesy of uh, your brother Felix, who sent me the link to this uh, podcast. That oh yeah, the Sullivan, been big
1: in family chat this, uh, <laughs> podcast.
0: So, uh, listener uh, Andrew Sullivan. Uh, generously provided non-subscribers with 45 minutes of uncut audio of him and Rod talking. And dear listener, you better believe I listened to all 45 minutes of it for your edification. And I'm now going to, uh, I mean, Felix, you may have gotten some of the highlights in group chat here, but I'd like to share with you. Uh, this great symposium between two of our uh, greatest public intellectuals, Andrew Sullivan and Rod Dreher. longtime blog buddies, but you know, say this, they've only met face-to-face a handful of times. Could you believe it? No way.
1: Well, um, yes, I've caught some of the highlights, but I try to keep myself fresh with this. Um, of the highlights, I will say this is um, absolutely drenched in subtext. Yes. More so than even the usual <laughs> Rod thing.
0: Yes, because like this is this is Rod uncut. This is Rod off the cuff. You know, like you know when he composes his ten thousand word articles about Blues Clues being demonic or something. Like he gets a chance to compose himself, and in this, like you know, he's like I said, like every one of his answers are just like shrieking in some way, but he's speaking at a very uh, low low tone. So like, let's just dive into it here. Uh, So. Uh, He begins, of course, talking about moving back to Louisiana and the story of his uh, younger sister, of which he wrote a book about. And he says of his younger sister, Ruthie was two years younger than me, but she was the son my dad wanted. She liked hunting and I liked books. Mm. This is a theme (laughs) repeated many times throughout this interview. Uh, He said, my dad just didn't know what to do with a son like me, whose head was always far away and not in the country. He goes, and then Andrew Sullivan says, that sounds just like my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rod says that he, uh, you know, like uh, uh, his dad wanted uh, more of a, you know, a son who was into sports and hunting and the country life, the things that he knows about and was into. And, uh, but instead, Rod said he really identified with his ancient aunts. Who lived in a cabin near a pecan orchard? <laughs> <laughs> Some freaking Bayou Grey
1: Garden shit. Yeah, Rod, Rod, like living out his Scarlett O'Hara fantasies.
0: His aunt. uh Okay, so he says, um, of his dad, he says he loved me, but I knew he didn't approve of me. And then Mm -hmm. Andrew uh, rather cheekily says, you were gender nonconforming. And then Rod immediately, you know, like Andrew's cheekily playing with him because of like the obvious subtext of being a bookish, imaginative, solitary lad who uh, spent a lot of time with his uh, older female relatives and didn't really like uh, hunting, fishing, you know, things of that nature. And Andrew rather cheekily says to Rod, uh, so you were gender nonconforming. And then Rod without missing a beat says, I played baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to nip that one right in the bud. Yeah. Um I would love to see his so swing. Said, I would love to see just how, we, how I would love to see Rod just take a cut. <laughs> um and then, uh, so and then obviously like it gets into the issue of Rod's dad, uh, which is introduced this way. Rod says he really was a brilliant man. Uh to which Andrew says He was also part of the KKK. (laughs) And um, he says, Rod says, I I never really probed that deeply. You know, he he, Mm. like in in Rod's telling of it. It was like, look, uh, we those of us who grew up in the south in this era, like we never really talked about race with our parents. It was just an issue that was uh, unbroached. And then he says, uh, (laughs) only recently did he realize that the uh, (laughs) the local judge who is like the judge for the county was the head of the Ku Klux Klan in the same county. And um so and it's interestingly, Andrew says, what kind of arguments did you did your dad make about race? Because like Rod keeps referring to like, you know, my dad, you know, like my dad always, you know, he was always like mad at me for being a liberal and he said like you, know, you just don't understand or blah, blah, blah. So Andrew tries to drill down, like, what were some of the things your dad said about race or the arguments you had with him about race? Rod says My dad would argue about me not being like him. We put aside race for the sake of the family. So, like, I I think he's being very uh, canny here. And, like, he's just saying, like, Andrew asked him, like, what arguments you had about race or what were some of the racist things your dad said. And then Rod just goes right back to saying, my dad didn't like me because I wasn't good at sports. And that's what we argued
1: about. The racism shit, I wasn't
0: done with it. (laughs) Still kind of fruity, though. (laughs) He says... Most of the most of the people around us believed horrible things about black people. And that's why I hate the way we approach history through a strong ideological lens. That's just not the way people are. I saw my dad hold all these awful views about black people, but he was also very kind to black people. Like he bailed them out of jail and fixed their pipes when it broke. So it's hard to figure out where to stand on these issues. And then Andrew just sagely nods and says, it is, it is. So, I mean, like, you know, if you're, a liberal, you might think like, oh, someone who uh, hates black people and is a member of the Ku Klux Klan would probably never do plumbing work for a black person. But you'd be wrong. And that's because you see history through a woke ideological lens. Yeah, I, mean, I, probably, I think it would probably matter more, you
2: know, what you did in your capacity as fucking Klansman to prevent black exercise of political rights. Like that's the thing that, you know, has structural resounding and uh, uh, impacts in life as opposed to fixing someone's fucking pipes which you know very that's nice CIT, but doesn't really it, it, if you're trying to analyze like the the the, the structures of history and like what how things end up the way they are the actions of organizations like the ku klux klan and the people who make them up have more impact than just the individual uh collections of actions that people might take uh in their day-to-day life i mean that's That seems pretty obvious, honestly. It feels like he's being intentionally obtuse.
0: Matt has just been banned from the state of Florida. You will not be attending, not be giving any lectures or fellowship uh, at uh, the University of Miami. Matt Crispin has gone woke.
2: I've gone woke. You've gone woke. You've gone woke. Yep, a bunch of guys Um, in fucking uh, flip-flops and uh, in magic jerseys are going to come and try to wipe me out now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rod goes on also to describe a riot that happened in his town in which the uh, townspeople basically organized a lynch mob when an elderly black pastor attempted to register to vote at the town hall. Yeah, see, that means, says,
2: that means, I think that probably means more to the community in the long run than whether or not somebody got bailed out of jail or Rod brought him a fucking, uh, s- some gumbo after he had, got sick.
0: Well, he says here, um, maybe a lot of the people I admired growing up were in that mob. Now, uh, here, here's an int- here's an interesting tack Rod takes because he like you know he declaims um, sharing any of these racist beliefs with his father, and he says that the only count he says like racist beliefs were not really discussed in the household; it was just sort of in the ether and it was just assumed. But he said like he wasn't like indoctrinated to like hate black people by his family, but he was. He says the only counter programming to racist beliefs that he received came in the form of network television. And it's interesting because like Rod is very proud of this. And he's like, oh, like this sort of like uh, showed me like, uh, shall I use the word representation of black people that was perhaps or, you know, uh, racial politics that was perhaps different than the milieu that I grew up in, which I think is fascinating that he's like, doesn't make the connection to his own obsession with television and gay people, because I think he understands that like that did work and being exposed to, uh, you know liberal propaganda, whatever you want to call it works. And I think he's, I think he's, his obsession about TV and like all the articles he's written about blues clues or fucking sex in the city or whatever. I mean, like it's a, it's one article a week with this guy about TV and, and the culture or whatever. And I think it's just cause he's aware that it works and it yeah, worked and on it, him as regards gay people. It, it did do good until it got, uh, it got perverted. It
2: got sick. It became a sicko shit. Uh,
0: <laughs> and then Andrew, Andrew has an incredibly asinine comment where he's like uh, talking about how interconnected everything is now. And he says, It's amazing. Even little villages in Africa have the internet. And I'm just, <laughs> mm. just imagine him with a pith helmet bringing Wi Fi to a fucking town in Kenya or something. And then to find out they already have it. This is how you get on the bareback Usenet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Showing that to a bunch of villagers. <laughs>
0: And then, you know, like uh, Rod says that, you know, like growing up, he always saw his future as somewhere else, a.k.a. Europe and cosmopolitan American metropoles. And then Rod says, yes, in high school, I was a nerd and I was bullied and I was so lonely. I signed up to a pen pal agency and the only people I talked to were my pen pals that I wrote in Europe. He says, my dad was the, uh, the, the first in our neighborhood to get a satellite dish. And then when MTV showed up in our house, I had to get to London. Mm. as Adam Ants did it for him. <laughs> Goody two shoes. He, he had to get to that London scene. And then he says, um, like his, his, his high school career changed when he uh, like uh, was placed into a boarding school for gifted kids. And he says, for the first time, I didn't have to keep my head down for liking new wave music. <laughs> so, <laughs> the perks of being a wallflower too. <laughs> <laughs> so he could... He could finally admit to liking New Order, and then Andrew's okay. So Rod tells a story about how he pl- he he placed into a boarding school for gifted kids. Take a guess what Andrew's follow up question to that is. You won't be Were surprised there any black to hear. Kids there? <laughs> you won't be surprised to hear Andrew's question is: Did you have to take an IQ test to get in? I <laughs> am <laughs> the prize, uh, and he says, um. I met gay kids for the first time at this school. And even if uh, we're conservative, but we're, he says, even if we're conservative, we're different from older generations because we have gay people as friends. And that's why I'm glad the closet is over. They were my friends and they were bullied like I was. They were bullied for being gay. And I was bullied for being, I was bullied for being smart. <laughs> and then gay. we trauma bonded. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> bullied for so him and smart. him and the gay kids he encountered at the uh new wave boarding school were bullied for ex- uh, almost almost exactly the same reasons and ha- had a kinship that they felt over being just a sort of shy sensitive small town boy with dreams of going to the big city god you it's, it's so poignant
2: because you can see his whole career as him arguing against the version of himself that just accepted he was gay after college and you know went out and just was gay and he's got this, like, sneaking fear that he would have been happier if he'd done that. And so he has to pile, you know, religious fervor and fantasy on top of itself just to smash that down and be like, it doesn't
1: matter if I would have been happier. I would have gone to hell. Yeah. A lot of, I would say about up to 60% of Rod's writings are him talking a gun out of his mouth. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of Rod and the road not taken, he gives us a a, a vision of that of a, a road diverged in a, a woods and and what a way a, a path his life couldn't take. He said his fantasy was to live in Prague with mm. naked girls wearing top hats, like in the Milan Kundera novel, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. <laughs> and then he says, "But I went to work at the Washington Times instead." <laughs> mm. Swing and a miss. Could you imagine? Fucking uh losing that bad on a major life choice.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's close and, enough. You can get married at the Washington
0: Times. <laughs> and uh and then he scries that that's that's when he crosses paths with Andrew Sullivan, and that's when he become he became Catholic. And he talks a good bit about finding God. Because he says that you know, like his family were like Methodist or something, but they didn't go to church that often. I mean, they considered themselves Christian, but religious belief was like not a huge part of his childhood. Um, and but he says he did he had like a sort of a uh, conversion religious experience at uh, Chartres Cathedral, Cathedral in France. And wouldn't you know it, Andrew Sullivan immediately says, "I went to Chartres as a teenager too. The parallels between us are a little creepy." <laughs>
2: God, he must uh, Andrew- be t- tormented to look at Sullivan because, like, he he he's still the same kind of like smug dickhead conservative as Rod, but he
0: also gets to be gay. And Rod, I mean, and Sullivan must look at Rod. I mean, I think Sullivan's being a little mean to him here by like he's doing. Oh everything yeah, no, he knows. Saying, like, he like knows. he's doing everything other than just saying what we are right now. Yeah. I mean, he's trying. He likes Rod. He considers him a friend. So he's trying to gently ease him and be like, Hey, Rod, have you ever considered how seemingly identical our... Both childhoods, uh, political points of view, and uh, religious fervor and interests—I uh, think they run very parallel. Rod, have you ever noticed that? So, uh, R- Rod says, um, "Sorry here." Uh, he says, "Here, uh, I used." He became a Catholic, and but he says I was arrogant intellectually, and I used my faith as a triumphalist club to beat other people with. And he says, "For me, becoming a Catholic was about finding a substitute father." Then he tells this incredible anecdote. He says, "I saw Pope John Paul II in New Orleans in the summer of 1987. I went to see my my, th- my then girlfriend at Tulane, and I said, "Sorry, we can't sleep together tonight. The Pope is in town and I <laughs> oh. never saw and, you go, and what, I never how, saw her again. Wow." What a. So he, uh, so he I'm says. Sure I, that was a so huge his then,
1: loss for him. Huge sacrifice. This is. A,
0: this is a, So he says of his then girlfriend, he demurred on having sex with her because the Pope was visiting, left her that night, and never saw her again. Um, never even contacted her.
1: A lot and here. He said. A
0: lot here. <laughs> yes.
1: um, well, one, you know, trading a dad who ignores you for a dad that molests you, you know, that's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least uh, I mean yeah, you're he's getting not some affection. You. You're getting yeah,
1: paying attention.
0: Well, Felix, this is an exact quote. He says, "I saw in Pope John Paul the father I wanted to have. I felt John Paul would approve of me being intellectually and artistically minded." Wrong. <laughs> 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 he absolutely would not. um So that, that, then he talks about losing his uh, Catholic faith because of the uh, 2002 uh, Boston Archdiocese um, child rape scandal. And he describes a moment where he was, uh, he remembers sitting in his office at the National Review, talking on the phone to a farmer in Kansas whose son had killed himself after being abused by their priest. He then come to find out that five other boys killed themselves and the died the, uh, abused by the same priest and the diocese knew of all of it and they just reassigned they just reassigned him and then he goes, uh he, then he, then he says, "I was so close to this one priest in Dallas who told me he was driven out of his parish in Scranton because of the liberals I had come to find out it was because he was accused of abusing a minor Andrew then says, does, like rod like has this he says here like very um naively he goes rod have you ever considered that this has been going on for centuries could it could it be possible that for people with that much power and that little accountability uh that like that, that they've been doing this for as long as the church has existed and he says this was really hard for me to deal with uh rod doesn't really uh <laughs> Respond to that question, but he just goes on to talk about how he converted to Orthodox Christianity because I had to ditch the intellectualism to become an Orthodox and lead with my heart. I had to realize that if my faith was going to survive, it had to be in my body and not my head. Mm. I used to, and then he says, I used to care so much about who was up and who was down in the Catholic Church. It's like fucking ESPN or something. <laughs> yeah. Who you got at this uh, conclave of the cardinals? I think, uh, you know. <laughs> I think the
1: Trappists are due this year.
0: I think this. I think this guy from Kenya could really surprise you. And then uh, his th- his wife then at the time said to him, she fell down to her knees and said, "We need a lot less Peter and a lot more Jesus in this house." Then Andrew finally asks uh, Rod, given everything you've just said to me, like what's up with all your beliefs about gay people? <laughs> <laughs> Rod begins to talk and he says, we can't get around what the scripture says. And he says, I've lived that myself sacrificially and it's a difficult and pain, painful thing to do. He says, the thing that finally broke me was a night back in 1991, the night that David Duke lost the governor's race. I was celebrating his loss. So, I mean, another, another fuck you to his dad. Um, because I was celebrating his loss. I got loaded and I woke up in bed with a girl I barely knew. And she leaned over and said to me, you know, this is my most fertile time. And this is exactly in the moment where Andrew Sullivan lets you know that the free preview to the podcast is over. They go on talking for hours more about this, but I thought that was like the perfect ending for the, you know, I'm not paying money to listen to any more of this shit. I got everything I needed for today's episode. Thank you very much, Mr. Sullivan and Mr. Dreher. Uh, uh, Where is this? I I, got to finish. I have to finish.
2: Where is it? It's on Andrew Sullivan's Substack. I got, I got, to, I got to throw my credit card number on here. I got to hear the rest of the story. I got to hear the well, the, the, the fertility uh, uh, porn that is about to un- unleash.
0: Apparently, Rod does go on to describe his experiences with psychedelic drugs and why he's very and why he thinks that they're very dangerous now because they can open you know open your portals to humans. they tell you they tell
1: you
2: hey hey Rod this is this is uh, this is the cosmos speaking
1: you're gay it's okay yeah, it's, a- it's
2: fine nobody's gonna get mad
1: it's like it's all just his 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 like comfort character it's like the cast of like different strokes telling him it's okay to be gay (laughs) all the all the (laughs) 70s tv characters that promoted racial harmony
0: (laughs) just telling him to download grinder it's it's the host of soul train saying rod it's okay (laughs) you can be gay Goes, no, it's the clockwork elves, and it's just you know, like, <laughs> it's that's Sesame been a big right wing
1: thing that like DMT is actually communing with demons,
0: yeah. Well, which raises right. a lot
1: of questions about Joe Rogan,
0: <laughs> yeah. He's a white hat, he's yeah. a white hat, and as far yeah, as he goes, know, he ast- goes, astral projecting yeah, he goes, he goes to fight the
2: clockwork elves. He, it it's uh reconnaissance, he's, he's in there to find out what they're up to,
1: yeah.
0: And he he's brings like a well. Yeah, I was like, so I was aware that Rod was on this podcast talking about his like uh, his LSD trips or his experience with um, psychedelic drugs. And when I saw that, when I saw the news story that, of course, a dozen people sent me the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning. Rod has landed himself in a bit of hot water in his adopted country of Hungary. And when I saw the headline, I immediately thought Viktor Orban had like put him in a fucking dungeon for promoting uh, LSD drug culture. But no, listener, it's something even funnier than that. So uh, this, this is, this is uh, a courtesy of The Bulwark. Uh, how Rod Dreher caused an international scandal in Eastern Europe. You guys ready for this one? Okay. Okay. Hit me. Last week, (laughs) last week, uh, this is uh, by some guy whose name I'm not even going to be able to pronounce. But uh, last week, Rod Dreher, the American author now living in Hungary, caused a diplomatic scandal that has gone largely unnoticed in his home country. Dreher's stay in Hungary is apparently financed, at least in part, by the Hungarian taxpayers. Last year, he was a visiting professor at Matthias Corvinus Collegium, an institution engaged in training future government cadres that operates from public funds provided by the government of Viktor Orban. The Hungarian edition of Dreher's most recent book, Live Not by Lies, was published by the MCC Press. And this year, Dreher is a visiting research fellow at the Danube Institute, a conservative think tank founded by the Hungarian government. Boy, I mean, I don't know, I'm just... I know how angry Americans get when they think about heard about tax dollars going to fund like piss Christ or something like that. But like imagine your average Hungarian taxpayer finding out about, about their tax dollars going to fund piss rod.
1: Imagine imagine being Francois Mitterrand and then realizing that's the ultimate product of your of your sacrifices of creating the EU.
0: So. Uh, These days, uh, Dreher has been attracting attention as something of an apologist for Prime Minister Orban, who Dreher claimed in a tweet last Thursday has made Hungary far more free than many Western liberal democracies that have surrendered to the dictatorship of woke. But later in the same day, something else Dreher wrote caused a whole lot of trouble for his hosts in Hungary. Last Thursday evening, Orban invited the friendly foreign press to his office on the Castle Hill perched high above the Hungarian capital. In keeping with what has been the accustomed practice in the Orban era, the prime minister chose to share his ruminations about the current state of the world exclusively with reporters who would never dare criticize him, but only nod with enthusiastic agreement instead. This happy group included, in addition to Dreher, Sohrab Amari, Gladden Pappen, Roland Tishi, Boris Kalnaski, Kalnoki, Ralph Schuler, Javier Villamore, and Jorge Gonzalez Galzara. Blah 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 blah. That uh, is, that is a, there, yeah. a
1: Spanish guy who worships skeletons, if I've ever heard of
0: one. <laughs> I like Gladden Poppin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a little whimsy. So it's so, okay. Like uh, to set this to set the scene here. Uh, remember, remember, like uh, a while ago, where Dreyer overstayed his visa in Hungary and had to be <laughs> ejected from the country. Well, he's back, and like in both both years, he's like like uh, left his family to uh, pursue. A life of the mind in uh, Budapest. Um, He's basically been living, like his visa is um, contingent on uh, being sponsored by these government run think tanks and universities that provide him with a cynosure to, like, you know, uh, tell the Western world what a great leader Viktor Orban is. So, how is Rod going to fuck this up? After attending this uh, gathering, Dreher returned home to his apartment Thursday night and wrote down what he heard, publishing it in his American conservative blog. Okay, Rod. When you are, um, your, your, your freedom and visa in the country you're staying within is um, entirely dependent on you being a continued and consistent lickspittle for an authoritarian strongman. You can't just um, go to an off the record me- uh, <laughs> you can't just print off the record comments on your blog at the American conservative and he-, he thought nothing of doing this apparently, and it says since draw Dreer grew up in the United States, he didn 't know that in an autocratic country like Orban 's Hungary friendly agents in the media are not allowed to write down and publish exactly what they heard if it goes against the interest of their politicians slash employers. Dreer quoted orban's words quote. We are in a war with Russia. That's the reality. Every day we are moving further in. Rod continued, someone asked the prime minister if he wanted Hungary to stay in the EU. Definitely not, he said, adding that Hungary has no choice because 85% of its exports are within the EU. Uh, With respect to Ukraine, Dreher Croated orban is saying, it's Afghanistan now, the land of nobody. Rod writes to be clear: Viktor Orbán doesn't want the West to be in war with a, in a war with Russia, but he says that far too many Westerners are deluding themselves about what's really happening and what could happen. Orban said that the West needs to understand that Putin cannot afford to lose and will not lose because he's up for re-election next year and cannot run as a president who lost a war. What's more, he said Russia cannot allow NATO to establish a presence in Ukraine. The time has long passed when Russia might have been able to conquer Ukraine or install a friendly regime. Had Russia won a quick victory, that might have been possible, but it's hopeless now. Therefore, said Orban, Russia's goal is to make Ukraine an ungovernable wreck so the West cannot claim it as a prize. At this, they have already succeeded. So can you see where, where Rod, by publishing these statements by the leader of Hungary, may have, uh, may have caused some troubles for his uh, sponsors? Stick to movie movie reviews and
2: uh, and exorcism uh, reports, Rod. You're not an actual journalist.
1: It's like if a conservative like approvingly published the Nixon tapes.
0: <laughs> well, he's certainly not a journalist because quickly after the article appeared, um, and. Uh, Uh, Sorry, the day after his article appeared, the Hungarian and Ukraine news media started quoting it. The Hungarian public was especially shocked by Orban's statements concerning the EU and the implication that Huxit, Hungary quitting the Union, might be on the horizon. For Ukrainians currently under siege by the Russian army, Orban's sympathy for Putin rather than camaraderie and solidarity with Ukraine were considered the most appalling. So Rod, employing a solution not uncommon in autocratic countries, rewrote the article to change its meaning. The original headline, Victor Orban, we are in a war with Russia, was changed to Victor Orban. West is in, quote, a war with Russia. And Orban's lines about wanting to take Hungary out of the EU were replaced by the exact opposite. <laughs> What's his fucking plan when he, once he
1: takes Hungary out of the EU?
0: Well, <laughs> like you just said they get 85% of their exports to go to the EU. Yeah. So, I mean...
2: I gotta say, I was hoping that this scandal would involve shirtless Magyar men, some sort of <laughs> yeah. misunderstanding with uh, pig knuckles.
0: Like, I mean, I, I was, you know, I, that was my that was my second thought after the the LSD thing is that he was he got trapped in another house with one of Orban's um, advisors, shall we say? But yeah. Um, so basically, uh, in, in, to his blog post-discussion of Ukraine, Dreher added the claim that Orban is pushing for peace and has been from the beginning, saying nobody wins from this war, as well as the passage, the West might think it's not in a war with Russia, but by sending more and more weapons and getting closer to actual troop intervention, Western leaders are playing an extremely dangerous game with themselves, with Russia and the Western publics. I mean, to that, I have to say, Rod, I agree with you. So...
1: Yeah, definitely. Let, let, let,
0: let, a little camaraderie between us here. I think I think he's right about that. We'll see how quickly he changes it.
1: And I also but, like uh, New Wave.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I love New Order. I love Adam Ant. I love I love I love the pet London the scene of the eighties. Yeah, Pet Shop Boys. Uh, you know, people have despaired about
2: how uh, Orban has this chokehold on Hungary and that their democracy has been totally uh, attenuated by him. But I see a path for the opposition to maybe get back in power in the next election. You just got to run a bunch of ads showing Rod soy-facing at oysters and being like, your tax dollars are going to have this asshole going around the country <laughs> staring at your shirtless citizens and
1: eating uh, delect- delectable uh, sea-, sea creatures. Yeah, the Me
0: Too movement can finally come to Hungary. <laughs> uh, Chris, did you get the audio that Brendan sent me? We'll, just, we'll edit that in now. So, uh, uh, we we did reach out to Donald Trump for his comments on uh, Rod's current situation, and uh, he he sent us this uh video, He sent us this he sent us this message here. His name is Rod. His name is Rod Drainer. and he's really crazy because we don't know what's going on with him. He's he's all over the place. He's got a big heart, but big problems too, because he's why why is he in Hungary? Why is he over in Hungary eating clams? He's supposed to be in church. Why isn't he in church? He's over there. He's, he's eating all this seafood with these men. He's, he's, in, he's hungry. He's hungry because he's in Hungary. He's a real hungry boy, but we don't know what's going on. and We have to, we have to slow him down and say, Rod, what's going on? Because we got to get him back on track. Rod, this is the year that we put Rod back on track, everybody. All right, well, thank you to former President Donald Trump for uh, weighing in on the Rod Dreher situation. Always a joy to hear from him, a friend of the show. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, that about does it for today's episode. Um, best of luck to Rod Dreher. I hope he, uh, <laughs> I hope he doesn't get um, shackled to the wall. I hope he doesn't get, like, like bricked into a wall, like, uh, <laughs> like the cask of Amontillado or something like that, uh, for speaking out of turn about Hungary, about Viktor Orban wanting to exit the EU.
1: Yeah. No. Um let's pray for Rod, pray for Hungary, uh pray for their bright future outside of the EU especially.
0: <laughs> and let's just um let, let's pray for let's pray for Rod and just the joy that is new wave music. Yeah. And you know like uh, if you're a shy sort of bookish young lad, like, you know, there's a place for you in this world. It's at the American Conservative, the Claremont Institute and the Victor Orban Institute of, you know, a Jew hunting. All right, gentlemen, till next week. Bye bye.